Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. How about all the fronts that we put on? How many of these, how many layers of these are we wearing? How long would it take if we started just to remove them one by one, exposing them for, for what they are? What would it be like to belong somewhere where you could risk being known and still feel accepted? If you weren't here last week, we started a sermon series titled Risking Church. And this is just part two, Risking Church, titled Do as I do. How many of you heard the do as I say? Right? Every parent in here run that line once or twice? Do as I say. It's an easy thing to say, right? It's an easy thing. It would be so much easier for me even as a pastor to just come and tell you do as I say. I can quote a million scriptures. I can read up and down entire passages and tell you now, go outside and do as I say. And I'm free. So much easier. We can tell our kids. We can tell our friends. You know, if somebody's struggling, if somebody's going through things, just, just do this, do this, do that, and do this, and do that. Just do as I say. It's so much easier, isn't it? Listen, this past Wednesday, I had a defining moment here. This past Wednesday, we were sitting around um, having our, 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 we were doing our class. And it was a discipleship class, and it was about discovering your spiritual gifts. And we were talking about our spiritual gifts, and, and the more I started thinking about that, and the more we were sharing and asking questions, and we were just having a, a, a real good time, the, the, that core team of people that were here. And... We, we were kind of discovering that every spiritual gift that God gives us, I, I couldn't think of one that was just for me. Every gift that God gives me is so that I can give it to somebody, so that I can bless somebody. If, if God gives me the gift of prophecy, it's not so just so for myself, so I can sit at home and say, okay, God, and speak to me, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. Like a selfish little kid, right? God will, will speak to me so that I can speak to you. He'll speak to me so that I can speak to you. He'll speak to me so that I can, the gift of healing. He, it's not so I can walk around saying, you know, be healed, be healed. My head hurts, my leg, and heal myself. It's so that if he gives me a gift, it's so that I can come and say, who's sick? Who's sick today? And just put hands on them and pray and believe that God will heal them. Every gift that we were breaking down, it's not, none of them are for ourselves. It's, it's about giving, amen? It's about community. And so, listen, we, were, we went through our thing, and, and I don't know if it's a cultural thing, if it's a Puerto Rican thing, or, or, or if it's a God thing, but there's, there's a new crew in the church that just doesn't want to go home ever. Right? And, and we have this thing that we just linger. We, we just don't go home. And I could turn the lights off. We could sit here in the dark and chat. It's just, you know, it might be a cultural thing, I don't know, but, but that was happening Wednesday, you know, it's about four in the morning and we're still here. No, I'm exaggerating, but you know, but still we linger. And so we were hanging out Wednesday and, and, and like normal, we're hanging out and it was late and we're talking and we're late and, and you know, people start to leave and people start to leave, but there's a crew that just hangs. 
They just like to hang out. Anybody? Right? And so it, it finally came the hour already. I was like, all right, I'm exhausted, you know. And so I went and I, and I turned off the lights, click, click. And so the, the group just moved to the hallway over there where there was still light. That's all. We just step into the light. That's all. And we keep talking. So I was having, but, but listen, listen, it was, a, it was a defining moment for me because one thing happened that night that defined ministry for me. This person probably doesn't even know that, that it meant something to me, but it was, it was special to me. I, had, I came from the back turning off the lights, so this is all dark, so the crew's hanging out outside in the hallway. And as I'm walking down the hallway approaching the, the, the hangouters, one of them just said to me out of nowhere, I love you. And the person must have known they caught me off guard because they looked at me and laughed. And, and, and I stood kind of paralyzed. Not that anybody's, nobody's told me they love me. I'm a lovable guy. I'm a nice guy, right? But, but this just kind of caught me off guard. And, and, and they knew they caught me off guard. And instead of kind of just shying away and saying, okay, never mind. You know, that was, I shouldn't have said that maybe, or whatever. Instead of, instead of, they said it again as I got closer. They said, I love you. And I got to tell you, it was a defining moment. Because for that moment, I said to myself, this is church. That's church. It's moments like that, 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 that's, that that's church for me. There was, there was, you know what, that I love you, that I love you to me meant... Not, you're Mr. Wonderful, you're awesome. That I love you to me meant, I feel safe here. And man, that's, that was a defining moment to me. I feel safe here. I savored that moment. I hugged the person. I felt that feeling. I said to myself, this is church. Because you know what? The person didn't owe me anything. It wasn't somebody that I had a long history with. It wasn't somebody that, that I, had, I had, you know, done a million things for, that I had been there when they were in prison or that I had been there where. No, it wasn't, something that, it wasn't somebody that owed me anything. You understand? It was just a moment. It was just a moment. I feel, I feel safe here. It's 2 in the morning. You're still hanging out with us. I don't feel threatened. I don't feel insecure. I don't feel looked down upon. I just feel safe here. And so that comes out. I love you. Love you. Amen? To me, that was church. It's not the building. It wasn't the class. It wasn't the discipleship program that we put together. It wasn't more chairs. It wasn't more attendance. It's a series of moments like that where we feel community, where we take off the mask. And we come out for it for just a moment. And we say, hey, I feel safe here for a moment. Let me just take this down. Love you. Love you. It's moments like that that recharge you. You got to understand. And please don't, everybody try to come up and tell me they love me. This, it, it's, not gonna, it's, not gonna, it's not the same. All right? I mean, I love you too, but you know what I'm saying? But it's moments like that that recharge you. It's moments like that that connect for you. That just, you know, it doesn't matter how hard the week has been, how discouraged you can be. It doesn't matter. You know, I mean, you, you, you want to be discouraged at 11.15 there was 10 people here? When yesterday, there was, when, when last week there was people all over the, the, the floors and all over? 
You want to you wanna talk about being discouraged? Right? This, it's, not, it's not all fun and games sometimes. You understand? But it's moments like that that get you. It don't matter how discouraged, how empty you could be feeling. It's in, in community, there's moments like that where you feel the fullness of Christ. And that's, that's what you got to grab today. The fullness of I wish I could take a picture today and, and just move aside your head and expose your neck and just fill you till you feel the fullness of Christ. Oh, no, it's a little graphic. I'm sorry. Somebody's over there was like, that's disgusting. Just, just picture it in the spirit. It's clean in the spirit. There's no blood. It's just, just the fullness. I, I'm saying that I just want to kind of pour into until it overflows. So you could just walk around and say, I feel full. Where everywhere you stand, you're just you're leaving wet footprints because you're just overflowing with the fullness of God. You, you understand? But to experience these moments, we got to risk something. Because it takes a certain vulnerability to come out from behind the mask. It, it takes a certain something to, to come out and say, hey man, how you? It takes a little something to come out from under that. Because, because it risks. Because if I take this off, somebody might see how I really am. If I take this off, and, and if somebody says something to me, if, if, if I expose myself, if I let you in my house, if I let you around my kids, it, you might find out something about me that, that whoa. Amen? If I, it takes vulnerability. It takes risk to, to get out. But listen, there are things you can say through a mask, and then there are things you have to remove a mask to say. That's good. Write it down. Two note takers in the room. Write it down. That's a good quote. Listen, let's be honest with, uh, with ourselves. Has anybody ever loved and been hurt? Woo. Has anybody ever confided and been shouted out? Anybody ever trusted and been betrayed? We're just a bunch of rejects up in here, aren't we? Wow. Like a house of losers. Wow. Anybody ever just been stabbed in the back for no reason at all? That you're still trying to figure out why? What, what did I do to you, man? Why would you do that to me? It's not uncommon that after something of that nature happens, we gotta protect, right? If, if, if I went up to my brother here and started just jabbing him in the, in the head for no reason whatsoever, if he has any common sense, you're going to, before you hit me back, you know, relax, you're going to bring your hand up and protect. Because I'm going to keep hitting you. If I keep hitting you in that spot, you're going to protect. And so, so we're gonna, we have a defendancy to cover up, right? And, and the more times we get hit in the same area, the more we cover up. And in the cover up, all we're thinking about is how we're going to get back. Right? And, and, the, and so all of a sudden it, it becomes I'm guarded and the first chance I get I'm taking your head off. Right? And, and it becomes, and, and church could be that way. Church could be that way. We're so guarded. We're so covered up. Everything is a mask. Everything we're hiding behind. Everything we're hiding behind people. We're hiding behind titles. We're hiding behind who, who we're supposed to be and who we're not supposed to be. And so we're always covered up because we've been hit. We've been wounded. We've been hurt. 
It's not uncommon to stay. And masks, masks are a great defense. They, they're a great protection because if people don't really know you, then they, you're not vulnerable to them. Amen? If all people see is the mask you wear around them, then you're protecting yourself from somebody hurting you. Right? Because if, if you don't show your weak spot, you're protected. And if you don't show that you're vulnerable, you're protected. The problem is you're protecting yourself from somebody hurting you. You're protecting yourself from somebody damaging you. But you're also protecting yourself from somebody loving you. You're protecting yourself from those I love you moments. You're protecting those selves, yourself from those let me help you. Let me help you do that moment. You're protecting yourself from, from, being, from being reached out to, from being cared for. Because you got it all together, so I don't need nobody's help. Right? And, and how many times we've, we've experienced what, what these actors shared. Thank you to the drama ministry that just started. That was their first step out. Amen? Yeah. It protects you from somebody loving you, from somebody blessing you, from somebody actually liking you. I want to be in a place where, where we can like each other. Not because it's church and, and because, not that phony, hey, hermano, gloria a su nombre. Como está oh, bendecido, amen, gloria. But, you know, not that phoniness, but, hey, how you doing? Oh, man, I was up all night, man. I was sick. Oh, man, brother, come on. Let's get in the service, man. Let's get, let's get our worship on and, and pray that God will work with that. Right? Or, or we come in, we say, man, I'm depressed, man. This whole weekend I've just been down. I've been struggling this whole weekend. I've been having these bad thoughts in my head all weekend. Not that we, you know, bring our laundry out to everybody. But you, you understand? A, a place of safety where we can come to each other and say, yo, I'm not even feeling this God thing this week. I'm just struggling. I don't know why God let this happen. I don't know why God lets that happen. Isn't God in control? So how come that happened to my sister? How come that happened to my mother? I'm just not feeling the God thing this week. And where we can be open with each other. Yeah, I'm struggling. And, and where we can say, oh, come on, man. Take the mask off. And let's get real. I'll, I'll just stand with you. I'm not going to, I won't quote 16 scriptures to you. I won't, I won't tell you four easy steps to get your life back in order. No, I'll just stand with you. I, I don't have an answer. I don't know why God allowed that. But, but, but I still believe that God, there's something in it, man. I still believe God wants us here. I still, you understand what I'm saying? Risking church, amen? We all have good reasons, trust me, to wear masks. We all have a lot of good reasons. And when, when I started thinking about this and I started thinking about the men in the Bible and, you know, we, sometimes we superhero them too much. We make, them, we make them like these superheroes that there's nowhere we can be like them. And in that we do ourselves damage because then, you know, I can't be like that. I can never be like that. But I, I love the word of God because if you, really, if you really read it for yourself, you'll find out that these guys and these women had a lot of dirt up in their lives, Right? There's a whole lot of soap opera drama in the, in, the, in the Bible. A lot. You wouldn't know it because if you only come to church and hear the good stories, then you only hear the awesome side of um, the father of our faith, Abraham. And you only hear the awesome side of David, you know, who's, who was killing giants since he was a kid and then, and then became to be the king. And, and, and God said, that's a man that's after my own heart. But if you don't read the dirt in the middle... You don't find out that he committed adultery like some of you. 
You don't find out that he plotted murder like some of you. You don't find out that he wanted to kill people and did it. Hopefully not like some of you. <laughs> he, he probably took it a step further than some of you. You'll find out that there's some er dirty, nasty, grimy superheroes in the word of God. And that gives us license to be who we are. Amen. That gives us license to be someplace, risk being known, and still feel accepted. But I, it, it made me think of Paul, and, and when I started thinking about those lines, I, I think of how many times Paul was arrested and beat up. I don't know how bold you guys are for Jesus, but I would have quit a long time ago had I been Paul. I get discouraged over little things. Paul would come to a little gathering like this, he'd preach the word, and when he was done, they would beat him and leave him for dead. And my man just get off the floor, shake it off, put a band-aid, tie something, clean off his robe. Listen, Jesus, and start preaching again. I don't know how bold, how strong, how encouraged, how whatever some of you guys, how ambitious some of you guys are. But if you put me in prison for two years, I'm going to have a lot of doubt in my head. You understand? My man got locked up for years at a time. Do you understand that kind of thinking? Years at a time for doing nothing wrong, for preaching the word of God, for doing what I'm doing right here. I don't know. I have to be totally honest with you. I don't know if I could have that. If I could know that I'm going to do a stint in Rikers for two years and that I'll see you the following Sunday here excited and preaching the word of God. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I can pull that off. But he did. Right? And, and again and again, how many times they left them for dead? That means that they, you know how they, how they would beat you back then with rocks? Sticks and rocks. That's messy. Sticks and rocks. How many of you would like to like, have a mob throw rocks at you? Right? Some of you have been stoned, but not that way. That'll, I'll let that come in later. So anyway... I think I would have quit a long time before. But listen, listen. So, so when you read Paul's letter to the Ephesians in Ephesians 2, which he wrote in jail, it was like Paul took those vacations to write, to write letters. He get locked up for preaching the word of God, get beat. get they, There was a point where they would strap him to soldiers. So he had to sleep with, with, with the enemy. Literally, he was sleeping with the enemy. Every night they would strap him to soldiers and he would sleep with the enemy because they were so scared that he would escape because he did it many times. And, and, and he would use that as opportunities to do as I do. He would use that as opportunities to preach the word. And they said they had to keep changing the guards because the guards kept getting saved. That's, that's, that's radical, right? So he writes in Ephesians 2, you kind of get an understanding uh, in Ephesians 3. Ephesians 2, rather, let's start. He, this is what he wrote in jail. He says, God, in, in Ephesians 2 and 19, he says, God is building a home. Look how he sees this thing. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he's building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. And now he's using you. Brick by brick and stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God. All of us built into it a temple in which God is quite at home. 
Isn't that awesome? Can you tell somebody that you're a brick? You're a stone. Right? And, 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 and you're part of a building that God is building where he can be at home. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? Isn't that a different mindset? In Ephesians 3, he goes on. He says, that's why I, Paul... I'm in jail for Christ. Having taken up the cause of you outsiders, the mystery is that people who have never heard of God and those who have heard of him all their lives stand on the same ground. Listen, listen. Those who heard of God and those who knew of him all their lives and those who had never heard of God stand on the same ground before God. They get the same offer, the same help, the same promises in Christ Jesus. The message is accessible and welcoming to everyone across the board. And he says in, in seven, in three seven, this is my life work. Helping people understand and respond to the message. And the, the key to the whole thing, why he endures all this is right here in verse 12. He says, when we trust in him... We're free to say whatever needs to be said and bold to go wherever needs to be to, to, we need to go. So don't let my present trouble on your behalf get you down. See, Paul wasn't asking you, and listen church, Paul, I'm, and I'm not asking you to trust everyone. That's just foolish, isn't it? I'm not asking you to trust everyone. I'm not asking you, let's risk church so that we can just go around telling everybody our dirt and telling everybody our laundry and crying over everybody and just be like a mess. Of people up in here. But God says, look, when you, Paul says, when you put your trust in him, he gives you the boldness to go where you got to go and the words to say what you got to say. That means in your marriages, that means in your jobs, in your school, you just have the boldness to say what you got to say, the boldness to do what you got to do. He wasn't asking you to trust everyone. He was asking that, you know, that you keep getting hurt. To, he was asking you to change your focus. Because when we trust in him, we're free. David says in Psalm 3, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. See, God says, listen, stop using masks. Let me be your mask. Let me be your shield. Use me as a shield because I am your glory and I'm the lifter of your head. Oh, y'all ain't half as much excited as that is. Here's a quote. Listen to this quote. When the body of Christ puts down their masks and lays down their defenses and stops resisting the will of God and the pull to be vulnerable, to be open, to be naked, then and only then will we truly know each other and know and experience the fullness of God. Isn't that awesome? Pastor George says that. It's my quote. I like that. <laughs> Put it down. It's mine. I like quotes, and that's a good quote. See, only, the only way that we get to know God is, is to know God through each other. And, and listen, let me try to explain this to you because that's, that's, this is so good. The Gospels are perfect illustrations of this. Some, even though, you know, if you read the four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and John, right? there, four Gospels. They basically tell the same stories. There's some more, some less, some more detail, some less detail. Some tell some things that the others don't tell. But basically, the four Gospels tell the Gospel, right? That's why they're called the Gospel. 
But these were all different types of guys. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they weren't all the same type of people. We can know, we can know God better and more fully by, by, because of the way that they know God. And, and listen to how this ties in. Mark, let me tell you a little bit about them. Mark, Mark was a Jewish boy. He was a teenager probably when Jesus was crucified. So Mark is a teenager when Jesus is crucified. That means his earlier life, he didn't walk with Jesus. He didn't see all the other stuff. He, he comes on the scene. He sees Jesus being crucified. So now Mark, is, uh, Mark explains in, in the book of Mark, in the gospel of Mark, he explains Jewish customs, which shows that he's writing to non-Jewish people. He wants to help them understand things. He's been an eyewitness. He's seen some things, and he's done some study, and he's been, he's been around people. He... he you know, to the ministry. He hung out with Paul for a while. He even went on a missionary trip with Paul and then he turned back and Paul had made issues with Mark. Paul didn't like Mark. Isn't that, isn't that refreshing? That there were even people in the Bible that didn't like each other? Servants of God didn't like each other for a while? Had different issues? Had disagreements? But then God brings it all together. Amen? Doesn't that free us kind of a little bit to be us? No? Okay, just me. Praise God. So, so, Matthew, Matthew was a totally different guy altogether. Matthew was a tax collector. How many of you love tax collectors? Well, back then they hated him even more. Back then that was the worst thing you could be, a tax collector. You were hated. I mean, you were just not liked. You understand? Like a bad, it's a bad word. Like we cursed at each other, they would go, you're a tax collector. Your mother's a tax collector. You know what I'm saying? It's a bad thing. Your father's a tax collector. Talk about my father. You know what I'm saying? It was a bad thing. Matthew was a tax collector. He was also a writer. He loved to write. Matthew didn't go anywhere without his laptop. Wherever Jesus preached, he was preaching sermons, Matthew would just be on a laptop, just boom, writing it all down, taking notes. And that's how we get all the incredible from the Sermon on the Mount and from all these, we get all these beautiful texts that, that Jesus, because he, he was a writer, Matthew. So, and, and Matthew was, um, he wrote for the Jewish people to convince them that, that Jesus was the Messiah. He's the only one of the Gospels that he refers back to the Old Testament more than 40 times. Because he was trying to show, look, 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 stop being hard-headed. Look, it says here, this is how he's going to come. This is how he came. It says here, this is what he was going to do. This is what he did. He refers back and forth to the Old to try to show the Jewish people, look, this is the Messiah. Right? So differently, Luke, Luke was referred to as a great physician. He's a doctor. Different, different kind of man than a tax collector. Can we amen? Different kind of person than a teenage boy. Can we say amen? Three different men. Luke is a great physician. He was a studied man. He did research and he put together all the information he could get from the living witnesses that walked with Jesus. He also traveled with Paul. He saw things differently than Matthew would or even Mark would. John. John was a fisherman. Say, dumb as a brick. No, I don't know, but he's a fisherman. When you compare him to the doctor and to the tax collector, to the writer, he's a fisherman. The man knew fish. Okay? And so, you know, he accompanied Jesus. It says the, some of the concordance, the commentaries that I read, probably, he was probably the youngest one. The youngest disciple. And so it says, you know, because of that, he got to spend more time because he didn't have to deal with family ties. He was a young cat. And he could just be with Jesus everywhere. And he named himself the apostle that Jesus loved. He named himself that in the book. How about that? I'm the apostle that Jesus loved. 
Isn't that a cool title to give yourself? But, but he doesn't say it out of arrogance. He said it because he was so overwhelmed with God's love that it changed him. It says that him and his brother, Jesus called them both the sons of thunder. Because him and his brother, they were domineering. They were some rough, intense cat, guy, you know, guys. And, and then one time they wanted to just rain fire on everybody that didn't receive Christ. <laughs> That's some bold dudes, right? Send us prayer. Everybody come up to the front. Anybody accept the Lord? Whoever doesn't, Lord, burn them. Let them burn in their seats. Burn, die, fire. I mean, there's an intensity about these guys. Jesus called them the sons of thunder. But listen, towards the end, they were so transformed by the love of God that James died a martyr and John became known as the apostle of love. The one that's always has his head on Jesus' chest. That's so, much, so far from a domineering macho man, right? He became known as the apostle. From, from John, we get the famous, the one scripture that everybody knows. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall, right? For God so loved. This is from the guy that wanted to rain fire down on everybody. So Mark portrayed Jesus as king. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. And, and Matthew, he, he, he describes him as a prophet. He's a seer. He just knows everything and, and, and he shows the way. And, and Ma, um, Luke, Luke sees him as the priest, as the physician, as the doctor because of the, his mercy, because of his prayer life. Luke sees him a different way, you understand? And John, John just sees him as love, as the truth. God is love and the truth. And, and so in, in learning from these, these people, we see God and we get to know him differently. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if it wasn't for these four different type of men, to know God fully, you need to know God through other people. And that's why I'm even wasting my time doing a series on risking church. Because to know God fully, I need to know God through you. I need to know God through you. Because I only, I, if I'm limited, I'll only see God my way. And so I could only see him as God, the king. And, and some of us will see, see him as, 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 you know, we have this picture of, and if that's all we know, then God is this. We know, but really, really big, not small like me. And, and we have this picture, this is God, and he's on this huge throne, and there's fire coming out of his eyes. Right? And there's a million angels sitting around like slaves just saying, holy, holy, holy. And he's up here like that, right? But, but if, if we only see God that way, if I don't see him through the other eyes, I, I don't know that God is not, not just this. He is. He is on the throne. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He does not tolerate unholiness. He does not tolerate sin. He hates sin so much that he died for sin. You understand? I mean, he, this, is, this is very real, this God. But there's another side of Jesus that comes down and just gives people huh, and hugs people. Dirty people, lepers, sinful people, people like us. Amen? Rejects and losers like us. He comes down and hugs us and loves us and, and, and leaves that to be with us. And so we need to know God on so many different levels. And we need, that's the only way that we can know God is through each other. We know more of him through each other. I share and, and only, only in true community can we fully learn. And this principle works. I share it in our marriage class all the time. We can only know. Do you know that I learned my wife and I know my wife more by watching her with her friends? 
I, because this, my wife will only be a certain way with me. But when I see her through the eyes of a friend, when I see her through the eyes of somebody she cares for, of somebody she has with, then, I, then I, I know her more fully. You understand? Isn't it a beautiful thing? If you only saw your husband or your wife one way, you don't really know them. But when you see them around their friends, when you see them around their family, when you see the way they treat as a, them as a father, when you see them with their kids, when you see them you know, with, the, with their parents, you, you, you know the fullness of that person. So if we risk community, we get to know God more. And, and, and that's, that's what we're here for. That's the reason the church exists, is to make Christ known. Period. And if we could enjoy ourselves along the way, why not? Amen? I think personally I can identify more with John. I'm a pretty intense guy, in case you haven't noticed. I used to be very short-tempered. If you ask my wife who's in the back, thank God she's not listening. But in the very early years I was extremely dominant. Oh, now you're going to listen, right? Thanks. In the early years I was extremely domineering. I was a jerk. I was extremely domineering. So I could ID with this, and, and then now look at me. I'm kind of a mush, right? I just love on people. I tell strangers. I tell, like, boys. I walk up to them in the pants. Yo, what's up, what's up, what's up? I love you, man. It's not the hardest thing you could tell somebody. You understand? It doesn't, it doesn't make me too hardcore. It doesn't make me really gangster when I come out and say, yo, man, I love you, bro. People are like, yo, not in front of my friends, bro. Back up. Send me an email or something, bro. But not... Back it up, you know. But so I see my I identify a lot with John, man. Cause I could be intense and like this, but then God has so overwhelmed me and so blessed me. I'm so blessed. I am so blessed that that I I, I become like this man, like this love mush. I just want to love people. I just want you to be loved. I just want you to love each other. I'm just like the guy that says, "Dude, can we all just get along?" Right. Can we all just get along in the house of God? If we're all like children of God, can, can we be siblings that get along? It kills me when the siblings that, that hate each other. I grew up an only child. You know how you can't imagine, unless you're an only child, how lonely that is. I played games like I had my matchbox cars, and I would line, some of you know, I would line them up on this side of the hallway, and I'd throw all my matchbox cars. Till I get them all over there. Then I get up. <laughs> whoosh, whoosh. People would give me games. And games, you can't play games alone. So whenever my mother was, had the time, she'd play with me a game. It's not the same. It's not fun playing games with your mother. Right? You're a teenage boy. You don't want to play games with your mother. Thank God when video games came out, then, you know, then I could play some by myself. But until then, you know, it's, it's lonely being an only child. I hated that. And so when I look at families that have three and four brothers and they're like, no, I wish I was the only one. You don't understand. Take my brother. Take my sister. You can kill him. I can kill us. It's so sad. It's so sad. Because, because man, that's such a blessing to be in community, to be in, in, in fellowship. And, and I pray that you would stop treating your brothers and sisters like that. Start loving on them. Amen? Amen? Because if they were gone, you'd be bored. All right. So, 
I'm pretty, I'm pretty overwhelmed by, by Jesus, the lover of my soul. I see Jesus as more than a prophet. I see him as more than a king. I see him as more than a high priest who's holy in every way and demands holiness from everybody that follows him. I see him as more than that. I see him as the lover of my soul. I see the crying servant heart of God in Jesus as he laid down his life for me. I take it personally. That's one of my character flaws. I take things very personally. See, if people like reject God, I take it personally because that's my God. And I take it personally. I'm like, jerk, what's wrong with you? Don't you want life? Don't you want joy? Don't you want abundant and, and burn them? You know, I, I could easily go that route, you know? I take it personally and, and I take a lot of things personally. God's still working on me, amen? But, but like when people don't want to come and fellowship with me, I take it personally because, you know, those are God's people. And why don't I want to be with God's people? Why wouldn't you want to be? Those are my people. If they're his people, they're my people. And so I take it personally, but God's dealing with me on that. So what I set out to do today and in this series, I just want to risk church. Let's risk being known and still feel accepted, as the title says. And the only way we can do that is to follow Jesus as he says, do as I do. Sal, I'm going to ask you to come. Mark, if you come help me. There was no better way I could find to illustrate this than in John 13. Listen to, to what was happening in John 13. It says, Jesus knew it was time for the Passover feast. And he gathered his disciples together. Put them up on the, on the platform. There. And this was going to be one of the last times that he got to be with them. So how would you sit? Please remove your shoes. And it was coming time for him to lay down his life. And, and so on this, this evening, he, he got his disciples together just before the Passover feast. And John writes that, that he took off his regular robe and he put on his apron. He brought out a basin and a jug of water. And it says that he went all along and he washed his disciples' feet. And after he washed all of their feet, John 13 says, after he had finished washing their feet, he took his robe, put it back on, and he went back to his place at the table. And then he said, do you understand what I have done for you? You address me as teacher and master, and rightly so, that is what I am. And so if I, master and teacher, washed your feet, then you must now wash each other's feet. I've laid down a pattern for you. What I've done, you do. I'm only pointing out the obvious. A servant is not ranked above his master. An employee doesn't give orders to the employer. If you understand what I'm telling you, act like it and have a blessed life. Church, my challenge to you today 
my life work, as Paul says, is to experience church, to build a community where we can be fully known and still feel accepted. Can I just ask you to stand for a moment and join me? Would you be willing today to take a mask off as we just pray? I want you to know that I, I, I chose both of you because God showed me both of you. And I wanted to know that, that he loves you and that you're washed on so many different levels, that you're washed clean. That he sees you clean. Father, we just thank you, Lord God. I thank you. Just, just allow the Lord to do that for you right now. The re one of the reasons that he washed their feet was because of all the stuff they were walking through. And Jesus said, just as I washed the feet of the disciples, if you want to be my disciple, you have to allow me to wash your feet too. Now, some, Every one of us has walked through a lot of junk. All of us has walked through a lot of sin. All of us has gotten ourselves all dirty and messed up. Every one of us has walked through different ways of levels of abuse, people speaking against us, and our feet have gotten dirty. And Jesus said, I've already cleansed you. So I, so I don't have to come every time and, and give you salvation again. You don't have to be born again every day. Because you've already taken a bath. I've already cleansed you. But your feet, that part of you that touches this world, that part of you that walks through the world and gets wounded and gets hurt, and you walk into sin, you go where you shouldn't go. I, you go places Jesus tells you not to go, and our feet get dirty. But yet Jesus says, come to me and I will wash you. I will get down and dirty and I will wash your feet. I will bring cleansing into your life. Just allow him to do that right now. Right now, just feel the forgiveness of God. The Lord says that if you, if you repent of your sin, if you confess your sin, that he's faithful and just and will forgive you your sin and cleanse you. He says, I will cleanse you. Maybe you've walked through stuff this week that you know that you never should have walked through. You've done some stuff this week that, that, that you wouldn't want us to know about. Just let him know right now. Just be honest with God and he'll wash you. You can walk out of here today feeling perfectly clean. You can walk out of this place feeling pure and holy before God. Because he doesn't count your sin against you. It's only then that you can be the kind of Christian, the kind of servant that, that Pastor George spoke about today. 
If you walk around feeling dirty and sinful, you'll never be able to, to be a light to your brother or sister. So just allow him to do that right now. Some of you need to know right now your sins are forgiven. As you confess your sins, your sins are forgiven. You are washed by the blood. You are pure and holy. Some of you never thought of yourself like that. Some of, some of you, you can't even get in your head that God sees you any, any other way but dirty. But God lo is looking down right now and he sees the purity of your heart. Your sins are forgiven. Father, we just confess our sins right now, Lord God. We've done things we shouldn't have done, oh God. We've gone places we never should have gone, Lord God. We've watched movies and listened to music, Lord God, that glorify the very pits of hell, Lord God. So we just come to you right now and we confess our sins, Lord God. Wash us, Lord God. Right now, right now, he's washing your heart. He's washing your feet. He's washing the junk off. He's washing the abuse off right now. He's washing off the hurt. He's washing away your sin. Even that secret thing. There's some of you, the Lord's telling me, that you wouldn't want me to know what you were doing even last night. And the Lord says, I forgive you. I wash you. I cleanse you. So, Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your cleansing power, Lord God. And as, Lord God, you cleanse us, Lord God, let us go and do likewise to our brothers and sisters, Lord God. Let, let the cleansing, forgiving, gracious love that you pour out on us, Lord God, we choose today, Lord God, we declare before you, Lord God, that we will pour it out on others, Lord God. We will willingly lay down our lives one for another, Lord God. We will not stand in judgment of our brothers and sisters, Lord God. We will not wound them with the words of our mouth, Lord God. We will not gossip against them, Lord God. We will not abuse each other, Lord God. But the same love, Lord God, the pure love you pour out on us, Lord God, we will pour out on each other. And we thank you, Lord God. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.